And we're back into the second hour with the breakfast show. We have oh some text messages to work through some different people. Um, giving some perspective. The first one here, uh, This was, I asked the question, like, what do you guys think about uh, Novak Djokovic's parents comparing him and his sufferings to the sufferings of Christ? Uh, I've got this first message here. Big no. I may call that blasphemy. You uh, can't even compare. And I tend to agree. Um, but we've got another side of this perspective that I think is right, really interesting from another listener. Um, it says Djokovic is correct legally and the Australian government, uh, not the, the government, the, but the federal court has found that. Um, the government discriminated against him and that is why they lost. Oh, I also agree yeah. and the federal court said so too. As far as being persecuted, the love of the parents can go over the top as is in this case. And I'm like... Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Like, you know, like, yeah, their parents, uh, they're kind of fighting yeah. this battle as a family. And I, I'm, I'm so surprised that they're, they're interviewing his parents and they've had such a big voice yeah. in this so far. It's been going backwards and forwards, but yeah, I can definitely agree with this. I have another, oh, another qu- uh, text message coming through. It says, how can the government lose a case and now wants to deport him? Not very good losers. <laughs> and that is so yeah. true. Yeah. Stay tuned because uh, this could still come unstuck in different ways. Dude, it's so funny. Like, imagine being the government of a country and losing a court case to an international. Yeah. That's so crazy. Of such stature. Oh, yeah. man, that's so awkward for so, them. So, so really, to, to use the pun... The ball is now in the Australian government's court. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Really? That, that, <laughs> or have they been aced? Oh, well, it seemed like it. Dude, that is like so... And, and I saw like a lot of kind of uh, political commentators and whatnot like getting up and just absolutely going <laughs> after the government of, you know, these, yeah, the current yeah. Australian government just going like, you guys are dumb like man that that would hurt to get beat in court by by a tennis player and then say you're still going and still Ooh. still going after it like just take the loss guys take the loss yeah. but anyways yeah guys thank you for your text messages and your insights if you have anything else to say oh two things i want to um charge and commission you guys with the first one is if you have a question of the day uh we've come into a new year we need new questions zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call or text send us in questions of the day um Secondarily, if you have any questions for John, you know we get him on the show and we get him to talk about all things mm. science and uh, and creation and giving us perspective on those kinds of things. From a, he's one of the the leading chemists in Australia, yeah. and and by chemist I don't mean you know he's dispensing drugs at um at a pharmacy for less yeah. or something like that. No, like he is you know a PhD in chemistry, like he is legit. And so yeah, guys, if, and he loves sharing this stuff. He does. Oh man, we get him on the on the interview. <laughs> We ask him like literally like two or three questions, and, and he's just into it, like because he knows his stuff. And I, I've used John's resources and John himself many yeah. times when I've I've been stuck. You know, I've had questions and uh, I've had things come in from different people. I just get on the phone and ask John. He's John. such a humble, great yeah. guy. So if you guys have any questions relating to those topics of science, uh, of creation, and it can be strictly science. If you've got things to ask about space, if you've got yeah. things to whatever it may be. Um, send us those. Send us those in zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Give us a text. Give us a call, and we will send those questions through. And he will, man, he will give you an answer. He loves he to do it. Will. Um, but hey, let's jump into our Bible study today. We're into the book of Hebrews, um, and we're going verse by verse. And I'll, I've been looking at the 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 
the book and I, I want to go as slow as possible because that's what Lyle would do. You know, we are, <laughs> Lyle uh, loves to really take his time through things. And I was thinking like, initially when I was looking at the book, I'm like, okay, there's a pretty solid theme through here that, man, you could cover this in one day, but I want to really start to break it down. And we went over yesterday, we're looking at the the introduction to these verses. We were looking at the history of the, the book of Hebrews in terms of its writing. We came to the conclusion that there's no, um, no set author to the book of Hebrews, but most scholars assume that it was probably Paul. Um, we also, you know, uh, saw one of the big themes of Hebrews, kind of the time and place it was set in. It was essentially um, this great, theological uh, exposition that the writer is giving on how Jesus fulfills the 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 religion of the Israelites. You know, it's like, okay, you know, you Hebrews, you have this religion. How, you know, that, that began in Abraham, um, how does Jesus fulfill those things? Um, but as we come into the first couple of chapters, Jesus isn't even mentioned Paul is just, or the writer, is building a case ultimately to that will come to fruition in chapter three. Uh, he's building it. He's, he's giving all this information about who the Christ would be, what he would be like, um, the things that he would do and he would accomplish. Um, and then in chapter three, he'll introduce Christ and then spend a lot of the rest of the book essentially showing us how Christ bridges those gaps mm. and makes those connections. But we're going to kind of tread some ground that we already got into by going back to basically verse number one. And so, let Rick, let's start there. Yeah, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, uh, too says, has in these last days spoken to us by his son. Mm, awesome stuff. So, starting in, in verse one, we, we noticed this yesterday. It immediately jumps into he's spoken through the prophets um, and God has spoken through the prophets. We, we talked about how this isn't a letter to Gentiles in Corinth or Gentiles in Rome, or, you know, a mixed, you know, group of people in Philippi, or whatever it may be. This is a letter to, and it's not even a letter to Jerusalem. You know, it's not to to the to those who dwell in Jerusalem. No, it is a letter to all Jews. And that's why it starts with this assumption. It starts with the word God, straight away. And then at various times, it, it brings in, okay, you have an assumed knowledge and belief in the God that I am talking to you about right now. Um, you know, we share this faith, God, and then at various times, um, you know, covering the history of Israel itself. But I want to focus in on this next phrase, and in various ways. Off the top of your head, Rick, what mm. were some of the ways in which God communicated to his people? I know it alludes to the prophets a little bit later, but how did, you know, think of some stories. How did that take place? Yeah, I mean, I mean... You think of Moses in, in a fire, uh, in, in a burning bush. Mm. You think of um, uh, Red Seas. You think of dividing of waters. You think of uh, water from rocks. Mm. Um, they're just natural events I'm thinking of. Mm. I could say, yeah, the burning bush was an instance in which God specifically spoke to Moses. Yeah. There was an audible voice. Yeah where God spoke to him and Moses being his prophet, and this is what it's getting at here, God who spoke to the prophets at various times and in various ways. ways. And I think that's a great example. And I wanted to highlight a few different examples of the ways in which God spoke to people. So we've got this first one here, Moses, a burning bush. I, I was recently reading about this. 
um, in a commentary talking about, you know, the humility of God to speak through Moses, you know, in a, in a burning bush, like just a lowly, unconsumable burning bush is speaking to Moses, giving him instruction, tell, telling him all kinds of things, take your shoes off for this is holy ground, giving him insight and an ability to be able to go and set his people free. Um, this is one of the... This was the first instance in which Moses was spoken to as one of God's prophets. Um, but yeah, it was through a burning, burning bush. bush. But I want to highlight some other ways that, like I said, God spoke to the prophet. So let's now go to the book of First Kings chapter 19, um, where we see another instance um, of God speaking to his prophets, specifically here, um, Elijah. First Kings chapter 19 um, and we're going to pick it up. I think we can start reading from, I'm, I'm just turning that out. We'll start reading from around verse one. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Go for it. Rick. 19.1, and yep. uh, this is uh, Elijah's escape from Jezebel. And That's they right. had told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he executed all the prophets with the sword. Mm. Verse 2, how, where do you want me to stop there? Yeah, Just, keep reading. Then Jezebel two. sent a message to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. So that's not nice language, this is Jezebel. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Elijah is out here. He's doing incredible work for the Lord, showing who is the true God. You know, what he does, he casts down fire from heaven. And, like, Elijah is having this incredible experience with God. And just previously to this, the drought ends. They've had this drought. They've mm-hmm. had no water. The nation of Israel is struggling. They're now recoiling from their idolatry because of the works that yeah. Elijah and God has done. And then finally the drought comes to the end but then jezebel she threatens his life yep. she, obviously she is not on the side of god you know she is big time yeah. struggling <laughs> and she puts a threat on his life now unfortunately um elijah's response to this is not a good one and yeah you just pick it yeah, up look, in verse uh, three. elijah uh, and when he saw that he arose and ran for his life uh, and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. And then, of course, he went for a, a day's journey into the wilderness and sat down under a broom tree. And then he prayed that he might die and said, It's enough! Now, Lord, <laughs> take wow. my life, for I am no better than my father. So there's a lot happening there. Yeah, he goes through a real crisis. Yeah. Um, and I think it's like, essentially, you know, he hears these words of Jezebel and gets scared and flees for his life. Like, this is the first thing. And as you're reading this, it's like, man, there was always threats against Elijah's life. Why at this point was he running away? But he does. You know, he he has a moment of weakness. He falls. He runs away. And then in realizing he's falling, he he goes, oh, man, like I was so close to God. And then I, I fell. Man, my life is worthless. I have failed God. And he ultimately asked God to take his life. Take his life. Now, we see a beautiful, like, um... Uh, kind of circumstance happen after this where God comes and just literally feeds him and looks after him and, and whatnot. 
uh, and and Elijah kind of comes back to strength, but then he, you know, in verse ten, he says to God, "I have been very zealous, Lord, and you know, and I'm I've done your work, but I'm the only one left. Yeah. What has it really yeah. amounted to if I've done all this work and then now my life is being threatened yeah. and I'm gonna die? Like, yeah. what does it really mean?" Uh, but then we get to verse eleven. Yeah, and uh, I like this. This is here's God's revelation. Mm. Uh, then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, in a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. Mm, it's powerful, eh? Yeah. We see God. He works. All the elements. That's right. <laughs> I think we really see um, what we call uh, both of God's revelations at play here. One is called natural revelation and one is called special revelation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the natural revelation is the nature that we see yeah. around us. And, and well, the fact that as we've been talking with uh, John Ashton, the fact that we can look at nature and we are alive and functioning and all these things are very much evidence for God's existence. Um, and he say, sees natural revelations happen in a kind of miraculous way in the fires and the rocks in the mountains, like all these kinds of hectic things. But then he experiences special revelation as well. God comes to him in a still small voice and you know in I, I think and i it's a powerful powerful commentary isn't it because i think a lot mm-hmm. of us at times there are times i think in 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 my life our listeners lives where you just like to know that that was the still more voice you see things mm-hmm. around us unfolding earthquake you know we see all that there's sometimes when i think god just tell me in your own words wow. so that I can actually hear your voice and know what you're wanting me to do. And here it is. He does that with Elijah. Shows him all these things, mm. earthquakes and that, and then this still small voice speaks. Wow. Oh, powerful. And we have that, you know, recorded down in the Bible. Yeah. Mm. As an example. All right. So this is one example of one of the various ways that God spoke to his prophets. Yeah. Let's go to another example. Let's go to the book of Isaiah. Um, and we're going to be reading about the experience that, that Isaiah had um, becoming, be actually just becoming a prophet. So let's start in Isaiah chapter 6. Um, Isaiah chapter 6, and we're going to be beginning in v- verse 1, Rick, if you can okay. pick it up for us. Uh, yep, Isaiah called to be a prophet. In the year the king Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Awesome stuff. So we see here actually a very different experience for Isaiah than Elijah. Of course, Elijah experiences miracles, miraculous events, but then he is a still small voice. What what was Isaiah's experience? Yeah, he's, he actually sees the Lord sitting on a throne. Hmm. So he experiences heavenly vision. Visions. Yeah, that's yeah. right, from God. Um, and it continues on. You can keep reading. Yeah, and he saw all these other things, and it filled the temple, the robe, the train of his robe. Mm. Think of a wedding gown, like the train of his robe fills the temple. And above it stood seraphim. Each one had six. Look at the detail in this. Mm. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, and two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. Mm. And one cried to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. It's like he's seeing this massive big thing happening in vision mm. yeah yeah so he's he's seeing all of these crazy things take place but then also like 
God, through this vision, speaks to... Yes. You know, he will go on to give Isaiah visions of the future and, yep. and prophetic messages and everything, but he speaks to Isaiah himself. As we as we get down and read, like... Um, Oh, I love this. Pick up verse 4 and 5 for us. Yeah, I was, reading the, I was reading down through that, right through to 7 and 8. How the, and the post of the door was shaken by the voice, shaken by a voice, imagine it, and mm. the house was filled with smoke. So I said, woe is me, I'm undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of the people of unclean lips, for the Lord has seen, my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Mm. This is so interesting. This is, this is actually a, an experience of change that Isaiah is going through. He's essentially spent the first five ch- chapters preaching against the people of Israel. He's like, you guys are doing this wrong, and you're doing this yeah. wrong, and you're doing this wrong, and you're leading the nation into destruction, and we will be destroyed, and you've just over and over again, you've failed, and we're all going to fall apart, and we're done. And then he, see, he sees God himself. And he's like, and he, but and one of the ways that he's communicating to this to these people that they're doing the wrong thing, he says, "Woe is you for doing yeah. this! Woe is you for doing yeah. that!" And then he sees God. Woe is me! Woe is me! <laughs> and he has this experience of, oh, he's like, "Purge me, yeah. God, of my sin." That's a really powerful lesson, I think, for all of us to understand is that when you're in the presence of God, mm. there's nothing left but to say, "I'm undone." That's right. The great prophet, the great prophet, Isaiah, mm. condemning everything else, and then in vision uh, is in this place with God and says, "I'm undone." I love how the angel comes after that. Mm. That's, that's, um, oh yeah, actually, that's, the, that's the, the, the living coal. Mm. I mean, that's really that's really important for Newcastle, isn't it? The morning, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. And, and then one of the fer- seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he'd taken from the tongs from the altar. Mm. They should make a movie on this. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Here it is. Boom, boom. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. Wow. So, like, this experience that Isaiah is having would be, you know, he experiences repentance and a purging of sin, a reformation of character. And obviously, because he's been preaching this message to yeah. to the, the, the rest of Israel, that that's what they need to experience. But then firstly... He experiences it himself, um, which then gives him the ability to go and relay that yeah. message to the rest of the world. He's sharing something that he knows. So God speaks to him in this powerful way, yeah. and it severely affects his life for the better. Um, let's see another interesting way in which God speaks to his people. Let's go to Hosea, uh, the book of Hosea. We're going to pick up in chapter 1 uh, and verse 2. Uh, we'll read, yeah, verse 1, 2, and... Three. I'm fine. Which chapter was it again? So Hosea chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. Ah, when the Lord began to speak by Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take yourself a wife of harlotry and children of harlotry, for the land has committed great harlotry. There's a regular word coming up. Mm. By departing from the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. And and Jezreel goes on. Yeah, hey, we're going to pick this up in the next section. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right, so, oh, we're covering the story of Hosea. Okay, this is super interesting. Mm. Um, Actually, read those verses again for us, two and three. Two and three, when the Lord began to speak by Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, go take yourself a wife of harlotry, 
and children of harlotry. <laughs> For the land has committed great harlotry mm. by departing from the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblam, and she conceived and bore him a son. Yes. So, interestingly, God comes to this guy, Hosea, and he tells him to do a bunch of things that would ultimately work out as a way that God was speaking to his people. Yeah. So God here is speaking to his people and to Hosea through the example of his own life as an illustration of what it looked like to be God. Now, this story of Hosea and Goma, he goes and marries a harlot, and it's a very storied, and, you know, they have kids, and, and it's like, oh, I love how Lyle kind of describes this, this idea of, you know, the, the local, like, low socioeconomic class harlot, prostitute, gets to marry the town pastor, the prophet of Israel who is well off, you know, revered by kings and priests. God, what are you doing? Yeah, it's like, (laughs) but she gets the break of a lifetime. And then what unfolds after that is this continual going back of her into harlotry, selling herself into slavery, all kinds of things. But then Hosea continually coming after her and buying her back. Um, as a representation of, of us with God. Absolutely. And us with sin, how we continually go back to sin, as the Bible says, a, a dog to its own vomit. Yeah. Um, and continually make the choice to go back to something that will ultimately not only negative affect our lives in the here and now, as it did with Goma, mm. but also into eternity and how God is consistently pursuing us. Yes. We see all of this throughout the example of Hosea's life. So this is an, another one of the various ways in which God is trying to speak to us. But now let's let's come back to Hebrews chapter one. Let's let's go on a journey here. Let's continue to see um, how this is playing out because it says here that God at various times, you know, all throughout the histories, um, in various ways, which we've highlighted there, um, and then it says spoke in time past. Um, to the fathers by the prophets. And now the prophets and, you know, to the fathers, their ancestors by the prophets. This is something that we covered yesterday of, you know, Israel's history is is given to us here in the Bible and very storied, um, you know, through the words of the prophets, giving us insight and how it all took place. Um, but then we get to verse 2, and you want to read that for oh, us. Sorry, which chapter was that again? Uh, Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 2. Oh, chapter 1, verse 2. Yes, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the worlds. Mm. So God has spoken to us previously, in, in previous times and in previous ways, uh, in various ways, a whole different bunch of bunch things of that would reveal how we should follow him, how we should love him. But then he's spoken to us in these last days. He's kind of, you know, giving us some insight into this transition that's taken place. This new age that's come in in these last days. What spoken to us by his son, son. Um, to ultimately reveal, you know, God's want for the world, his his intentions for the world. I think the best way, oh, the best way that a writer has ever put this before is John himself in the book of John. And if we go to John chapter one, I love reading this this passage like 
is so powerful, um, so poignant onto this yeah. topic. So if we go to John chapter 1, and if you just want to start reading and from verse, verse one, 1. Yeah. And this connects Hebrews, doesn't it? In the beginning yeah. was the Word, and the Word was God, and, uh, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Mm. Continue on. Let's read to like verse 5. Keep going. All things were made through him, and without him nothing that was made uh, was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Yes. It makes this point here. When when introducing Jesus in John, the same way in Hebrews, and uh, you know, if we're going to assume that the writer of this book is Paul or someone else, we know that, that John and whoever the writer was, they would have been contemporaries of each other. They would have known each other through the church. The Christian world wasn't very big, that, yeah. the, the, even though the message yeah. was exploding and it was going everywhere. In terms of... Prophets Still writing a small books. Community. It was, you know, people knew each other. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they would have been contemporaries for each other and they're sh- sharing these same ideas as, as, you know, John is introducing Jesus here as coming from yeah. God, being the son of God, being, but also being the word of God, the way that God is communicating yeah. with the world at that time. And then he says here, like, in him was life and that life was the light of man. You know, the life that Jesus is coming to offer um, is the light of man. It's the thing that gives them instruction. It's the thing that helps them understand God. But I love this point here. Five, and that light shines in the darkness, and the darkness, darkness did doesn't, not, doesn't yeah. comprehend it. Um, we've been talking all about, you know, God speaking in various ways through these various prophets uh, at various times, and all of them were a response to specific situations that were happening in that in those times. Now, we know, like, that God, the Bible says in Hebrews, as we get towards the end of the book, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His ideals are always the same. But we see something taking place here. It's highlighting this point of what we call present truth Mm. of, okay, God's ideals and his standards have always been the same. But in response to all various different events, he will come and give a specific message. Um, And if we, you know, look at, various truth throughout the ages and we we gave elijah elijah's present truth right which was um you know stop worshiping idols mm. you know uh god's gonna destroy them and and oh the god's brought a drought now that that isn't a message for our time i know that that's a principle don't worship idols um but how it applied specifically in elijah's time isn't the same as how it applies today or in john the baptist time or in noah's time um but the present truth that is now being highlighted by the writer of Hebrews is, hey, God has spoken through all these people, but now he's spoken to us through, through his, his son. son. His son has new truth to give, um, or present truth to give, present truth to understand. And he goes on, he will go on in the rest of Hebrews to expound what that truth yep. will be. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. I guess right now it is time for Question of the Day. And we have one from Freco. Okay, let's go for it. It is, it's an interesting question. It indeed. is a very Aaron's interesting question. two sons were consumed with fire, destroyed. How come their tunics were not burnt up too? Stories in Levi, uh, Leviticus chapter 10. Le- Leviticus chapter 10. And you have found an answer. I have. Leviticus is a book that is all about religious services and priesthood. 
Like that is that is a one. Like what is it about? What it's about? Um, it gives a bunch of requirements. It gives them a bunch of you know uh, different things to do. How these services was would be run, um, but also it gives us in in the, in the midst of it some little stories and some insights on how that was going for them. Mm. And one day, uh, Aaron's two sons uh, faced. A situation that was not so favorable to them. Um, so let's pick it up. And we're reading in Leviticus chapter 10 and verse 1. It says, Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it. They put incense on it uh, and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So the fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke, saying, by those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy, and before all people, I must be glorified. So Aaron held his peace. Simply, this is the situation. Um, Aaron and his sons have been called to be priests. It's like one of the highest responsibilities in all of Israel, because you are dealing with people since. This is your job. You know, we look at pastorship today. Um, and you know, people who work in the ministry today, like myself, like Rick, um, and it's, it is a very much a high calling with a lot of responsibility, but the priesthood was something a little bit extra. The Bible says that we are a kingdom of priests and, um, you know, uh, kings of priests today. Um, but at the same time, like this is talking about the people who were giving the nation of Israel, the ability to come and have their sins forgiven. Now, they're not the people forgiving people's sins, that is God, but they are dealing with a temple service where people would come and sacrifice and give offerings to God. Representatives of God. They were the representatives. This was incredibly serious, uh, very heavy job. And it's like, you know, if you look at important positions uh, around the world today, if you're a secret serviceman for uh, maybe a, a, a government official or all these kinds of things, there are incredibly high standards that if you don't meet, you'll be immediately terminated for. Now, these guys had done something um, in this position. They knew what the consequences were and they ultimately they broke the rules yep. and they received consequences for that, which was death. Now, the question is though, why wasn't their tunics burnt yeah. up? And it's it's interesting because the passage, if we read on, it doesn't explicitly mention it, but it implies that their tunics weren't burned up. When it says here, um, so Aaron held his peace. Then it goes on. Then Moses and Mishael, uh, Moses called Mishael and um, Ezlephan and the sons of Eziel, the uncle of Aaron, and said to them, "Come near, carry your brethren before the sanctuary out of the camp." So they came near and went and carried them by their tunics out of the camp, um, as Moses had said. And Moses said to Aaron and Eliezer and uh, Ithsima, the sons, do not uncover your heads. And he basically gives them some restrictions yeah. on the morning that they yeah. can do uh, and whatnot. It says, hey, don't tear your robes. Don't do this. Don't yeah. do that. Don't do the other. Um, but he gives them this this example. And the, and the reason that their tunics aren't burnt up is that ultimately these were special items that were ordained and to be used for the priestly Holy ministry. Holy purpose. Yep. Um, they were, you know, laden with expensive materials and, you know, they were, were rich in colour and all these different things. And I'm, now I'm not saying that God didn't burn them up just simply because, um, you know, it would have cost a lot of money. Had, yes. But because, you know, God can provide. Uh, but 
from God's perspective, like the guys wearing the tunics, Nadab and Abihu, they were the ones who were making incorrect decisions. Yeah. Um, they were the ones who were misrepresenting him. And therefore, like it was, you know, it was, there was no need to burn up the tunics. In fact, the tunics were holy. They were, they were symbolic of a lot of it. Yeah. That's right. And so ultimately, uh, they are not. These people, though, are taken out of the camp and, uh, you know, buried uh, because they are dead. Uh, and the priests... The priesthood goes forth from here. But it's interesting. Yeah, note the restrictions that Moses gives. Hey, don't uncover yeah. your head. Don't tear your tunics. Yep. These, no, these are holy. And he's he's giving them, ultimately reflecting on them, on the sins that um, Nadab and Abihu made. Like, hey, uh, don't mess with this stuff. This is God's work. Importance. We are... Uh, Rick and Lawson in the morning, and we have come to the, the end. end of the breakfast show. Guys, thank you for listening to our show this morning, and we just want to encourage you, as we've been talking about all kinds of things today, and particularly how God has revealed himself through Jesus, yeah. spend time with Jesus, yes. get to know him, read yep. your Bible, and pray to him. But also, guys, we want to encourage you as you go throughout the day to talk faith, live faith, and act faith, and you will grow, grow strong in Jesus Christ. Christ. God be with you. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.